So let's go to Jude uh, chapter 1. There's only one chapter in the book of Jude. And we'll begin to read there in verse number 17. We're going to talk about this subject, the impact of the church. For the last six weeks, we've gone through a series on what is a church member. We learned that church membership is not country club membership. It's not something to where we like pay our tithes that are our dues and then we get services. But it's a place for us to invest and sacrifice for and people to love. So if all of that is working together, if the church is the organism that God has put in the world to change the world, then what is the impact of the church? Let's go to verse 17 in Jude. The Bible says, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is those who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying, notice, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear. Hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So here's the question for us. What is the impact of the church on society? Within society. These verses that we just read from the book of Jude are very clear. Number one. If you're taking notes you can go back to the beginning of the book of Jude. And in verse 3, it contains the thesis, the main idea for the entire book, which is to contend for the faith. To be in contender means to be a fighter without selfish violence. It means to say, you know what, I'm going to try to find the truth and I'm going to defend the truth. And whenever that happens in our lives, when God gives us a desire for truth and we pursue that, he leads us to other people who are passionate about the truth. That's called the church. A true church, not a religious club, you see. And when all of that begins to work together, the Bible does say that even the apostles predicted that there will be those who will come into the church who will not want to serve the church, but who want to cause divisions within the church. And last week we closed with one of the statements that having to do with it's easy to be converted to church, but not to Jesus. It's easy to be converted to, man, like I enjoy this type of music. I enjoy the way that these things operate. I enjoy the, the makeup of a building. Like I like a steeple or, or I like this or that. And it's very easy to become converted and love church, but not Jesus. And what we want at Rocky Mount Baptist Church is to love Jesus. Amen, church? And to be passionate about him and to see people saved. And one thing that we learned in this series is that it doesn't always have to be about us. Like if you're a Burger King person and you're with people you love and they want to go to McDonald's, it means that you don't always have to go to Burger King. Are we okay this morning? Right? I mean, it's a point where we say, you know what? It doesn't have to be about me. But the Bible says there will be those who will come. They will be, go to verse number 18. They'll be scoffers. Make a note there in your Bible, transpose that with those who, in verse 22, those who doubt. You see, when we talk to people about Jesus, sometimes there are those who are so committed to trying to prove the Bible wrong that they become to the category of a scoffer, as opposed to someone who actually doubts. And man, I just want to say, Rocky Mount Baptist Church, I'm so proud of you guys. 
I am. Some of you are all like, he is amped up today. Like, we know you got engaged, but like, settle down. No, seriously. It's amazing within this fellowship that like we're calling and texting each other. Y'all are reaching out to your friends. Do you know how many churches in America never invite anybody? These are the same people. They have the same conversations. Drink the same amount of coffee. Get bored in the same amount of time. At least the other normal people who do come and be like, I'm never coming back to this church. And you guys are, I mean, not, not just inviting people to church, but you're bringing Jesus to them outside these walls. It is so, it's such a blessing. Praise God for this. Because the Bible is telling us, look, the impact of the church is that, go with me to there, to verse number 20, that you're building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Man, that means to be grounded in the truth of God's word. You see, Jeff, how do I, how do we as God's church, how do we make an impact on society? Number one, we're going to have to really take a step back and say, what do I think about church? It's amazing that people bring so many things to the table in church and it's not even in the Bible. Like it's not even in there, but that becomes the hills to die on. Let's reevaluate those things and say it is about seeing people saved for the glory of God. And to contend for the faith. What an awesome thing it will be as God continues to bless Rocky Mount Baptist Church. For us to say, you know what? I don't want to be held back by what I've always thought was possible. I want to follow Jesus Christ and contend for the faith in every area of my life. Because I truly believe the greatest days for Rocky Mount Baptist Church are ahead and not behind. So the point of the book of Jude is to contend for the faith. And the context is this, that we as followers of Christ, lovers of the truth, should contend for the faith, get this, in the middle of a culture of people who are trying to twist the truth. Our culture is trying to twist the truth. There are even pastors and so-called theologians who are telling us that the Bible doesn't mean what it clearly says in regards to biblical morality. And Rocky Mount Baptist Church, let's just put it out there, we love homosexuals and we hope that they come to jesus christ just like adulterers come on now just like those who are hooked on all sorts of things but we can't compromise on the bible and say that something's right when the word clearly says that it's wrong and our culture says well it's just two people let them be happy if god is real and he actually exists and there's a designer then if you go against the design you can't actually find happiness you find disillusionment and disappointment regardless of what you say in interviews and there's a whole host of people who claim to be followers of christ whether they're in church leadership there's a whole host of politicians that are trying to please men and please our culture but we love people you see that's the main idea of this sermon that a passion for god produces a compassion for people amen that means man when i get on fire for god when i realize that you know what we do live in a world where we have to contend for the faith and things are so dark and they're so twisted and those of you that are raising children i bet it can be scary they're like, dude, like, I mean, it's just, it's just, you can't get away from it. That's the reason why we're emphasizing this next weekend to give you guys biblical tools that you can, that you can help your marriage. Because I've heard a rumor from some married people that marriage is not always bliss. It may just be a rumor. 
To give you guys tools to say, in this dark world, I want to contend for the faith. But boy, in the middle of that, I can have joy in that. Because notice what verse 20 says. It says, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Time out. Isn't it interesting that when we learn, check this out, the content of the Bible, content as in Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. So what did Joshua do? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And we know that, but sometimes we can know like what the Bible says, but here's the catch. Sometimes, can we just be honest in here? And I know some of y'all may be super apostles, you don't have any problems, and your stuff doesn't stink. But for the rest of us, was that too much? <laughs> but for the rest of us, sometimes it can be very difficult Knowing the content of the Bible, and then how do you apply that in everyday life? You know what I'm saying? Like, for example, we know what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And we know the Bible says, ladies, wives, respect your husbands. But sometimes it's like, okay, well, exactly how? You ever wonder why the Bible doesn't give extremely, 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 extremely detailed application? And there is application in the Word, don't get me wrong. Because our life with Jesus Christ, and this may be freeing to some of us, is not a book to where you, you say, okay, do this, do this, do this, like an order from a doctor, but it is a relationship with the living God of the universe. So when you get saved, you, we, we, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That means he, I mean, the Spirit of Christ comes to live inside of us. And some, I heard a kid one time say, well, where does he fit? You know, like, you know, he's living like, and kids don't get that. But here's the thing. When Jesus comes and he indwells us, he gives us strength. He gives us wisdom. James chapter one, it says that if we lack wisdom, and we all do, how to apply the teachings in the Bible is just to let him ask him of God who gives liberally to all who without Reproach. So it's interesting in the Bible, right here in verse 20, to where it says that build yourself up in your holy faith, meaning ingest, get Bible intake, meaning that when you go down the road, don't always listen to your favorite group, even if it's Christian music. Oh, snap. Listen to some quality preaching. Get on some good podcasts if you've got a smartphone. In other words, get as much Bible intake as you can not because you have to, but because your goal is to contend for the faith in the middle of a lost and dying world for Jesus Christ. And when we do that, God will give us the wisdom that we need. And then notice how this transitions here in verse 20. We have faith together with the Holy Spirit. But verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Have you ever noticed sometimes that when we grow in our faith and we begin to learn more about the Bible... Have you ever experienced, some of you that may have been saved for a little while, even if, you, even if like you got saved this year, that you begin to learn about Jesus and you begin to learn about how bad your old life actually was? And then it can almost sometimes turn into pride thinking, you know what? How, how did I ever, how was I ever that blind? But if we don't allow the passion for God to produce compassion, we'll begin to say things like, how could those stupid lost people do that? I mean, Bro, don't you know, don't you know that like drinking every night is not good for your family? You moron. Like, hello, throwing pots and pans and screaming at each other. That's a great way to go to divorce. Are you stupid? That's the way the mental processes go. But listen, if it were not for Jesus Christ, where would we be? Seriously. 
If we're not from the mercy of God and the love of God. That's why it says, look, as you grow in your faith and as you are led by the Spirit, make sure you remember that it's only because of the love of God that you're not strung out in a ditch somewhere. And we've got testimonies in Rocky Mount Baptist Church of past alcohol and pill and drug abuse, and you were in the ditch, but praise God you're not there anymore. I just want to say this. Sometimes people who work jobs, work two jobs, they pay their bills, they have activities, they have friends, they have influence. You've never been in a ditch. It may just be that you think because you haven't been there that you're fine. The gospel says that without Christ, probably the most blinding sin is that of self-righteousness. You've never had a divorce. You've not OD'd. You've not done time at the local jail. But because you think you haven't, you think that you're good. Newsflash, that's not true. It very well could be that you're the most blinded person in here. And we find it all the time in our culture. Because automatically, without Jesus giving us mercy, we compare ourselves to other people. Say, well, I had sex with my boyfriend one time, but I'm I'm, I'm not like her. She slept with like 10 different dudes. I yell at my wife. You could call verbal abuse in some situations, but I've never hit my wife. And it always goes to this insane type of comparative theology where the Bible says that is not the right standard. The standard is God and we all fail. All of us. All of us are epically screwed. No chance. The only thing that it lists on our reservation is hell for eternity. That's it. Welcome to church. And why would we say that? Why would we be so like, dude, this almost sounds like I've got rocking out Baptist church. We're so dogmatic. Just yesterday, friends stopped by the house and, and brought some wood. I mean, here, here on 40, there was an automobile accident. Bang. Got out of the car. Look at the guy. Guy was dead as a doornail. Bang, gone, done, finished. Put the date to the side of the dash on the tombstone. Whether it's Franklin County, Roanoke, on the eastern shore, we don't know how long we will have. And I'm so encouraged by what God is doing in our midst, but it breaks my heart to see so many people here week after week after week. And you know, like you'll, you'll, you're not trying to be shady. You know, you're lost. You know, you've never really been saved. Like you know that, but yet you resist Jesus every single week you come. You don't like hold up a pentagram flag and say hail to the devil. You don't do that. You just quietly in your heart. Say, I'll wait. That's looking at God and saying no. Or you say, I'm not ready. We will never be ready to give up control of our lives. Just so you know, none of us will ever be there. Ever, ever, ever. There is a day coming in which God will judge the world in righteousness. And something for us to remember is that if we are filled with the love of God, we have to warn people. I am no better than any of you. This is not just word. It's from the word of God. But guess what? We never, we never know. Just here in the county, bang, out into eternity. Forever. No more chances. No more sermons. No more songs that tug at your heart. No more invitations. No more Sunday school. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It's simply you and the Lord and what you've done with Jesus. That's the only thing that matters.
401k may help the family for a little bit. Some grandkids may like to use the truck. The kids may think your Harley's cool. But all of that for you, it doesn't matter. So today, may it be when the invitation is given, men and women all over the room kneel and give their lives to Jesus Christ. You are living in danger. And some of you, it just, it blesses my heart because you love you. You love your wife and your husband, your mom and dad and your kids. And you invite them and they come. And you're praying for them because you have the love of God. But they come because the heart is so stinking hard. It's hard. They don't beat their wife. They don't abuse their children, but the heart is hard to God. They say, I'll do it. I will, I will do what I want on my own terms when I want. And that's saying, God, I'm God. You're really not. And we, if we could pull this screen up, we would see an old rugged cross behind it. Man, I just encourage you to think about, man, Jesus Christ. He was the picture. He was God in the flesh coming to be tortured and brutalized for us. For us. Like me. Like, like you. Like actually you. And he knew what we would do. He knew all the jacked up, twisted things we would do. But yet he is so loving that he came. Didn't send somebody else. Jesus, deity, God in the flesh, suffered a horrific, shameful death and was raised from the dead so that we could go free. God of the universe entering into the created order into a filthy, horrible time in history where this iron boot, this iron-studded boot of Rome was trampling everything in the known world and it came as a Jew and all of that and the gospel has come and he's given us this church 2,000 years later, people who love Jesus and they're doing crazy things like renting mechanical bulls and walking around cakes, not so that we could just have fun, but so somebody could be saved. And what blows my mind is so many of us in here in this room in Ray Franklin County, we know this. But yet we still reject Jesus. It's crazy. It's crazy. That some of you, if God does not do a work in your heart, you don't yield to him today. You'll walk out. Check this out. Check this. How, how, how crazy nuts this is. Some of you who know that you need to be saved today, like today. You'll walk out of this room knowing that it only takes a one blood clot, one person running a red light, and you will spend forever in hell, not because God wants you to be there, but because you refuse to have Jesus Christ come into your life and truly save you. Like, that is crazy. Like, wouldn't it be a much easier option to repent of your sins and give your life to Christ? Yeah, the life of Christ will be difficult. Christian life is not easy. But my goodness, that just seems to be too much risk to justify. So why would anyone ever reject Jesus? People reject Jesus because 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 tells us that the natural person, that means every single one of you here this morning and you may you may have been involved in church but you've never been in, never been saved. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That means that you reject God because you're blind. Say so what do we do with blind people? Notice what the word says. It says and have verse 22 have mercy on those who doubt. There may be some of you here today and you're like, man, Jeff, I just don't know if it's true. 
Like I, I read stuff on, on the internet and, you know, I had this tragedy happen in my life, which if you've ever seen the movie Taken, uh, Liam Neeson's wife died several years ago. And here's what he said about that tragic death. He said, it hits you. It's like a wave. And you get this, quote, uh, profound feeling of instability. For some people, it's like, I just don't know if it's true. Other people are like, I don't know if God exists. Like how, if he does exist, how these bad things could happen in my life. Here's the thing, when, when you're doubting, I just encourage you to seek Jesus. And what we want to do at Rocky Mount Baptist Church is if you are doubting, we want to welcome those questions. Don't we, church? We are totally okay with questions. In fact, the fact that you're questioning is already evidence that God is working in your life. We believe that. Remember when I went to a, a, a boy's home, it was a, a juvenile facility in Florida when I was in college, and there was this one kid who was an atheist, and week after week after week, we would go in early Sunday morning, the Bible study was like at 7.30, we had to drive, we had to drive about 50 minutes to get there. Some of y'all don't complain about churches at 11 o'clock and it's too early, alright? It's, it always, it always, it always kills me. Yeah, that's, that's the thing, that's the thing, if I can just say this, Fred, you're gonna back me up on this. Everybody has the same amount of time. It blows me away. Like there's people who be here early, like early, early, early. And there's always some people like they just can't even get here for church on time. It all has to do with priority. You're like, I just sleep in. Here's one thing you can do. If you have an alarm, you can set it earlier. <laughs> we offended a bunch of people. Some people will be like, I'm never coming back. But this, um, this student questioned and doubted and questioned and doubted. And I said, pray. And say, God, if you're real, show me. One Sunday morning he came and he said, Jeff, it was just like a light came on in my heart and my soul. And it was just like my if my heart could be pictured like a pie. And basically everything, there's these huge chunks missing out of it. It was like those pieces were put so that the pie was made whole. What did Jesus do with those who doubted? Jesus gave them mercy. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19 through 23, the passage dealing with I have become all things to all men so that I may save some. Not only that, but notice what it says in verse 23. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. Some of you are close to judgment. Age has nothing to do with it. There are young people who die all the time. All the time. There's the working guy in his 40s and 50s that has a heart condition that no doctor has been able to detect. On the way to work, he's gone. There are ladies who will come home from work Something will happen, a physical complication. They're in the hospital a week. They're dead. There are students on their way to school. I've known students on their way to school, not here in Franklin County, but in youth ministry before. They're on their way to go to school, and something happens, and they go into eternity. Let's stop dilly-dallying around. Let's stop it. Let's become courageous. Let's be Filled with compassion for people that we know who are a million miles away from God and they don't even know it. John Wesley, when he was young, almost was consumed in a house fire. He was there on the second story. And they were able to get him right before that area collapsed into just a burning inferno. And his mom said, John, you are a brand plucked from the burning." Great songwriter Matt Papa says this, quote, Every time we say yes to God, we say yes to joy. Hell is a heart that says no to its gracious creator going on forever. 
The joy of serving Jesus Christ. The joy of being saved. The joy of saying, you know what? A month ago I had this incredible burden that I was carrying around called the guilt of my sin. But when Jesus saved me, it all rolled away. And in order to reach out to people, snatching them from the fire, it says to others, show mercy with fear. It means that when you are reaching out to your lost friends and your lost family member, remember Remember what your life was like. Remember the quality of your relationships before Jesus saved you. And some people think, well, I could never live the Christian life. You're exactly right. That's the whole point of the gospel. The whole point of the gospel is that Jesus fulfilled what we could never fulfill. And not only that, when you get saved and you surrender your life to Christ full on, He's not like some of our dads who would take us up on a hill when we were first learning how to ride a bike and just kind of roll us. Some of y'all, this is bringing back memories. Just kind of roll us down the hill and be like, pedal! You know, God's not that way. God's not that way. He promises in John chapter 14 to give us the Holy Spirit of God who comes alongside of us to guide us into all truth. And not only that, He gives us a faith family that we can rub shoulders with people who love Jesus and have walked with Jesus far longer. And I just want to let you know the joy of serving Jesus Christ is unparalleled with anything else. And here's the coolest part. You don't have to be hugging a toilet once you're finished serving Jesus. You don't have to be ashamed to be like, I'm going to untag that on Facebook. You don't have to have those scary moments in all seriousness. Some who were in the world heavily to say there were a couple of nights where I blacked out. I don't even know what happened to this day. I don't know who I was with. And if you don't even know that there are stories like that, you should probably stop just hanging around church people. People who were raised in abusive homes, alcoholic homes. When they come to Jesus, everything changes. And he uses everything that happened in their life for his glory. To say, you know what? Sin was great. My sin was great. And the sin that was sinned against me was magnificent. Huge. But the grace of Jesus is far greater. So here's the question for some of you. That you know Jesus Christ. But you're questioning whether you should be plugged into a local church. Why would you turn that down? You know, sometimes when we think about plugging into a local church, we say, well, I just want to, I just want to wait until I feel it. It's almost like a beam me up Scotty Jesus moment, you know, like Star Trek. And we, God has commanded us to be plugged in and involved with his local church. We've gone over that time and time and time and time again. And it's one thing if you're fasting and praying about it, but if you're just showing up on Sundays expecting to be hit with the warm fuzzies, that is wasting God's time. Plug in. Franklin County needs Jesus. Franklin County is filled with alcoholic, abusive homes. And if you don't believe that, then you're probably hanging out with a very small minority of people who have no idea about the world that they actually live in. Not only that, you talk to the younger people, 15% of millennials are evangelical Christians. We are continually praying about how God would reach that group because some of us who may be older in years, that means that if my generation and under are not reached, in a few decades, Rocky Mount Baptist Church will not be here, neither will any other evangelical gospel preaching church, and Franklin County will totally go to hell in a handbasket. Is that scare tactics? Absolutely not. It's the facts. 
But we know that God is stronger than culture. We know that Jesus' love is stronger than the hate of the devil. But in order for us to make a difference in this world, we have to allow that passion for God to produce compassion for people. And that is manifested and shown and released through the ministry of a local church. So here it is, two things this morning. Then we're going to get out of here and then we're going to go to the Harvest Festival. Number one, if you are saved and you are seeking where God would have you to plug into a church and you believe the Bible, you want to see people saved, join Rocky Mount Baptist Church. We need you. Secondly, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today this is your moment. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. As Fred's coming up to lead us in this invitation hymn, it's going to be very straight up, very simple, not long and drawn out. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you know that you need God, we don't do a pray this prayer type of thing here, but we're just asking you to give your life to Christ right now. In the quietness of this moment, with people not playing around with their purses and flipping through books, in this moment right now, give your life to Christ. Ask Him to save you. Transfer control from yourself to Him right now.